Well, as I said at the beginning of Mass, I'd like to speak today about Humani Vitae. That's a Latin term, and it means human life. It's the title of Pope Paul VI's encyclical. It's an important document on how married couples are called to transmit life. Now, our readings are relevant to this important document because we see in them this question of good and bad shepherds. Shepherds who mislead us and shepherds who lead us rightly. Christ, of course, is the good shepherd in the truest sense, but there are other good shepherds who lead us rightly, and they do so as an extension of Christ's own ministry. And so my point in this homily is simply that Pope Paul VI, in writing Humani Vitae, was one such good shepherd. He led us rightly. When it was written 50 years ago, in 1968, this papal document stirred up quite a controversy. Some of us here might actually remember this. What was the controversy? Well, as we know, in the 60s, hormonal contraceptives were first developed. Many Catholics at that time argued that the pill would be okay to use. So Pope Paul VI put together a special commission to investigate this question. At the end of the day, though, he agreed with the commission's minority report that, like the use of any sort of barrier method, the use of hormonal contraception was also morally wrong. And so he wrote Humani Vitae. Well, many Catholic theologians at that time disagreed with him and used the media to voice their criticism of him. And to this day, it's a very contentious issue. So that, in a nutshell, is the controversy. Now, someone here might say, what does contraception have to do with us? Most of us here are past that stage of life uh, where this would be a topic that's relevant to us. I believe that no matter what stage of life we're in, It's relevant because the Church's stance on contraception is thought by many Catholics to be a kind of embarrassment to the Church. It's thought to be a bit ridiculous and behind the times. So it's this mindset that I'd like to address in this homily. I'll argue that we should be proud of the Church's approach to this issue because it's not dumb. It makes sense. So my goal here is not to condemn anyone. My goal is simply to persuade Next month's homily will focus on the positive vision of human sexuality put forth in Humani Vitae. Today, though, I'll just be focusing on how Paul VI, in writing it, was not foolish, but was wise and even far-sighted. In section 17 of Humani Vitae, the Holy Father talked about three bad things that would happen if society embraced contraception first. He said there would be an increase in men and women having physical relations outside of marriage and a, quote, general lowering of moral standards. Now, from the 60s onwards, this has taken place. Someone might ask, well, how is contraception responsible for this? Well, in a given instance, it can be used to have physical relations and yet avoid a serious consequence. The serious consequence of having a baby. Okay? But then people start to think that you can have physical relations without serious consequences. And that's the essence of the sexual revolution, the idea that men and women can engage in physical relations without there being serious consequences. Well, what what have been the fruits of this revolution? And it has been a revolution. The fruits have not been good. 
since the 60s, the percentage of babies born out of wedlock in America has gone from around 11% to 40%. In some European and South American countries, it's over 60%. More babies born out of wedlock often, not always, but often means more children growing up without their fathers and without the all-important example of their parents' committed love for each other. Also, consider STDs. In the 60s, there were syphilis and gonorrhea, both of which could be cured with a little penicillin. Today, if you include all the different strains of HPV, we're dealing with about 50 STDs. 50, 50. So to syphilis and gonorrhea, we've added HPV, herpes, chlamydia, hepatitis B, AIDS, and more. And for several of these, there are simply no cures. Condoms, despite what is taught in health classes, for many reasons, probably too much to get into now, do not really do a good job of reducing the transmission of STDs. And of course, hormonal contraception does nothing. So today, it's estimated, and this is a statistic that's very shocking to me, and I've read a lot on this, it's estimated that one in four Americans has an STD, whether they know it or not. One in four Americans, and that's true for teenagers as well. So it's a real epidemic. And then finally, consider abortion. In the year 1960, here's another, to me, again, very shocking statistic. In the year 1960, there were a few hundred abortions in America. Since 1975 until today, only 15 years after that, since 1975 until today, we have not dipped below a million abortions a year. A million abortions a year in this country alone. So many argue that if we'd only make contraception more available, there'd be less abortions. I think people who are arguing this are really missing the big picture. So the big picture is as follows. The driving force behind all the abortions is the sexual revolution. And the cause and the enabler of this revolution is contraception. Moreover, hormonal contraception in particular not only prevents conception, it also functions as an abortifacient. This is not very well known. First, these kinds of contraceptions impede the release of an egg or they impede the movement of sperm through the cervical mucus. And that's how they prevent conception. But they also slow the transport of the newly conceived embryo through the fallopian tube or they prevent its implantation in the wall of the uterus so that it eventually dies. Now, if we believe that human life begins at conception, then hormonal contraceptives not only prevent conception, they also cause many abortions. Now, why is this not more widely known? In 1965, the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists redefined the term conception to mean the implantation of a fertilized egg. Thus, by this redefinition, the abortion of a living embryo before implantation of the uterus can be called contraception by the FDA and other government institutions. It's scary that words can be used like this to mislead the public. And this is an example of bad shepherds misleading us, as we read about in Jeremiah. 
Okay, so the lowering of morality in society. That was the first prediction the Pope made. Here's the second. He wrote, A man who grows accustomed to the use of contraceptive methods may forget the reverence due to a woman and disregarding her physical and emotional equilibrium, reduce her to a mere instrument for the satisfaction of his desires, no longer considering her as his partner whom he should surround with care and affection. When Paul VI wrote this in 1968, there were no clear data on the effects that hormonal contraceptives might have on a woman's physical and emotional equilibrium. Considering what we now know 50 years later, we can say the Pope here was almost prophetic. Over the past few decades, there have been many cases of hormonal contraceptives causing blood clots, leading to heart attacks, strokes, and pulmonary embolisms, some of which were fatal. There have been studies linking these contraceptives with cervical cancer and breast cancer. There are reasons to believe that they can significantly hinder a woman's fertility after she stops taking them and wants to conceive. These are serious health issues. And then there are also the less serious side effects, weight gain, water retention and bloating, migraines, mood swings, decreased libido. Now in Ephesians, St. Paul gives us, to my mind, the most beautiful description of married love. He says, Husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. Serious health risks, sudden weight gain, mood swings, reduced libido. What man would wish these things upon his own body? If a man is to love his woman's body as his own body, how can he let her do this to her body? How is this true love? There are more things that could be said about the Pope's second warning, but I'll move on to his final one. He wrote that we should be aware of, quote, the danger of this power passing into the hands of those public authorities who care little for the moral law. Yes, tyrannical governments are bound to use contraceptives to violate human rights. Only a few years after Paul VI wrote this, Indonesia was forcing contraception on their people. And then only eight years later, India was doing the same thing. And then only 11 years later, China implemented its one-child policy with all its horror stories. Families having to flee the country because they conceived a second time and they want to have a second child. Forced abortions, forced sterilization, uh, increased female infanticide, the list goes on and on. In conclusion, my brothers and sisters, we can see how Humanae Vitae and its teaching on contraception was not foolish, but was wise and it was far-sighted. We should ask, though, apart from Catholic clergy and scholars, why is no one acknowledging that this Good Shepherd's predictions have come true? Why? Because if Pope Paul VI was right about the consequences of contraception, it would only stand to reason that he was right about contraception itself. And not many people want to admit that. But we as Catholics should not be ashamed to agree with the Church on this matter. The Church's position on this is not dumb, it's not backwards. It's a wise moral position grounded in concern for the welfare of the human person. Now, although the Church teaches that the use of contraception is wrong, it recognizes that married couples can have good reasons to regulate the births of their children. But they should do so using natural means, what is called natural family planning. 
These means take education and intelligence and a lot of moral effort, but they are therefore humanizing because as human beings we are intelligent and free and we're called by God to grow in moral virtue. I'll be speaking more about natural family planning and about the church's uh, positive vision of human sexuality next month in my next homily on this topic. But for more on all of this, let me direct your attention to the back of the church, to the furthest book rack on my right here. On the top shelf of that rack, you'll find a copy of Humanae Vitae itself and some pamphlets on contraception and natural family planning. They're free. Please take one and educate yourself more deeply on this important topic.